God, we give you thanks for another day of life. We thank you for the gift of another breath, another heartbeat. Those of us who believe that you hold everything, we also believe that you're in charge of our breath. You're in charge of every, every breath we take, every beat of our heart. You choose when the sun comes up and when it goes down. You choose to give life and to take life. And we would be foolish right now if we were to live our lives knowing that and believing that and yet going on like we're in charge. <laughs> so in this room, I almost said in the quiet of this room, but there are babies all over the place. And we are so thankful for that. Maybe it's better than quiet. With those voices, those coos and those babies in this place and those kids upstairs, would they remind us that the choices we make aren't just about us? Would you give us that perspective today, God? Would you give us perspective that changes who we are, not makes us feel guilty? We know that doesn't, guilt doesn't come from you. Would you give us perspective that changes who we are so we can step forward to the joy and the peace and the hope and the things you've promised in your son's name? Amen. So I was driving this morning um, early um, from my studio. I, my morning, Sunday morning routine is crazy and it involves me getting up crazy early before the rest of the house and then driving into town where I work and, and printing my stuff and kind of getting my morning going on Sunday mornings. And I was doing that this morning and I was headed back home and uh, st stopped at a stoplight, and there was a woman in a, in, you know, a family van. No question, it was a family minivan. And you can always tell the family minivans um, because, one, there's like, you know, you can actually see the fast food bags and stuff <laughs> kind of half hanging out of the car. Um, you can also see on the back sticker, uh, back window, they get those stickers of like all the kids they have. And this lady had so many kids that she was like on the second row of those stickers. I mean, it was just... <laughs> Pack, kids packed into this car, and it was, it was really slick this morning in Bloomington. I pulled up at the stoplight, and there was a car behind me. I, pulled up, I was the first one at the stoplight in the left lane, and this lady in a van full of, you know, the Brady Bunch comes pulling up next to me and doing one of those things where she's, not, she's talking on her phone, drinking a coffee, yelling at her kids, doing something else with, her other, with, with like a third hand. I mean, she was just all over the place. Then she just starts drifting towards me. Like, just slowly, unintentionally drifting towards me. And I'm not moving, so I couldn't get away from her. So I put the, I mean, I, I just took my foot off the brake and started literally pulling away from her as she pulls into me. The car behind me honks like crazy, and she finally kind of stops, looks, and kind of looks around like, I wonder what they're honking at. And we stop at a stoplight. We finally go. The light turns green, and she, you know, her kids say something to her, and she, she guns it. And I mean, it, it, it is ice and snow, and she fishtails all the way around the corner. And I looked at the window, and I thought, well, that'll get her attention. Nope. Still talking on the phone, drinking a cup of coffee, yelling at the kids, and fishtailing all over the place. So I pulled carefully behind her, and she got on Highway 37. Um, and I got on Highway 37, and I thought, oh, my goodness. You know how you think, this lady's going to have a wreck. Well, you never actually get to see it. <laughs> I saw it this morning. She pulled out on the highway onto 37, and fortunately it wasn't a busy time of morning. She pulled out on 37 and gunned it again and just started spinning. Just, you know, and I just started praying. You know, that's all you can do when somebody's out of control. 
And she pulled, she finally stopped, pulled over to the side of the road, and I just kind of pulled over, and she rolled down her window, and she just like faced completely flushed, still talking on the phone, telling this person what had happened, and I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, and I said, maybe you should slow down. And she gave me this look like, duh, you know? And I went on, and I, I, I thought, my, you know, my heart's beating fast when you see something like that happen. And sometimes you see somebody doing something stupid like that, and you never see the end. You know, you never see when they actually have the wreck. All you say is, they're going to have a wreck. I got to see all of it today. And it made me think of this sermon this morning. Yeah, it's a train wreck. No. <laughs> it made me think of this series that we're doing right now. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're doing a series called Stronger, and we're, we're, we're looking at five different areas of our life that we want to get stronger. And one of those areas um, is our physical lives, what we eat, how we, what we put into our bodies, the addictions we have, and even how we use our bodies and sex and all the things that, that we do to kind of pervert what God has created us in our bodies. And I thought, you know what, I, I have seen this in my friends and you have seen this in me, where we're almost like this woman at the stoplight. We have ignored all of the signs in our life that our life is out of control. We've ignored them, and maybe, maybe this is where you're at with your life. You're, you're stopping at McDonald's every day on the way home from work because it's just easy. It's just what you do, and you're buying the cheap stuff at the grocery store and lo- eating lots of chips and eating because it's the cheap stuff, and it's the easy stuff. It's the low-hanging fruit, except for you don't actually eat fruit because it's the expensive stuff. But you, it, maybe it's just that thing in your life where you, you've just t- totally missed the point. Like this woman at the stoplight today, maybe all the things in your life have consumed you so much that you forgot about the most important thing. This lady forgot. All the stickers on her car don't make her a good mom. They don't. In fact, getting up in the morning and yelling at her kids to get their clothes on, that's not just what makes her a good mom. Thinking about the fact that she is in charge of this incredibly dangerous vehicle that she's driving and stopping to a minute to realize that she has in the palm of her hand all of her kids and that her decisions and her actions aren't just affecting her. Many of you are there in your life right now when it comes to what you eat, when it comes to how you deal with sex and how you deal with your bodies. You're out of control. You're talking on your cell phone, you're drinking something, you're doing, and you've not kept your eyes on the road. And then some idiot like me comes by and says, hey, roll down the window. And, you, and somebody says, hey, get some perspective. Look where you're going. Look at your back seat. You've got kids. You've got too many important things to treat your life like this. And then you do what this lady did to me. You roll your eyes and you go, none of your business. And you know what I thought? I heard it this week. I got the emails and the texts and that's okay. And maybe today if you get mad at me because of what I'm saying today, it's okay. Because this lady got mad at me. But you know what I saw? I saw her turn on her turn signal and slowly pull into traffic behind me. She got mad, but she got safe. And I'm telling you today, that's part of what this sermon series is. Some of you are out of control physically. Either it's, it's the way you eat, the way you don't eat, the way you exercise, the way you don't exercise. Maybe it's the way you think about sex, the way that you have decided that this is just the way men are, so this is the way we do. Or this is just the way my husband is because that's the way men are. Or this is just the way women do. This is just the way we're just human. Maybe you've decided all those things and you're driving your family and the people you love right into dangerous territory because it's not just you that your choices affect. I got your attention, didn't I? I want you to think today about driving your life down a slippery road 
and you being in charge of the people in your car, people that are around you, everything it affects in your life. And I want you to know some things today. I told Risha on the way here that, um, my wife on the way here, that I feel like one of the things I haven't done well as a preacher in the last couple years is that people come to church to feel better. They do. And I don't, I don't like to be just a feel-good place where you kind of get a cold chill and you go home and it doesn't mean anything to you. But at the same time, I want you to feel better when you leave here and when you come here. And I, don't, I often just challenge you. I often just say, you should do this, you should do this, and you should do this. But to, today I'm excited because I get to bring you a little bit of hope and give you a little bit of perspective, too, on your life. And I, I want you to know some things that I believe God wants you to know today about your life and about where you're at. And the first one is this. There are just three things I want you to know. I'm a preacher, so I preach in three things. Um, there are three things I want you to know. And the first one is this, that you're, you're doing better than you might think in your life. You're doing better than you might think. And what I mean by that, especially after just accusing you of being a Big Mac-eating, non-exercising person, is that what the enemy loves to do, especially if you're trying to pursue God, if you're trying to pursue truth in your life, what the enemy loves to do is distract you at all bends. And if he can do that by making you feel, um, feel really bad about where you're at in your life, what you do, this happens to me all the time. In, every, in all my physical activities and all the things that I do with my body, this happens. If I get up in the morning and the first thing I do is eat something really bad, then my next thought is, bad day, might as well keep it going. Might as well have a bad lunch and a bad dinner because I've already blown it today. I'll start again tomorrow, right? That's what we think. You do the same thing spiritually. Well, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already in this deep relationship with this girl, and it's really way too physical, and I've already messed up. Might as well just keep going. I've already kind of done this thing. I've already messed up. God already must think I'm a loser and an idiot. I've got to just keep going. I guess I might as well just keep going. I want you to know that that's the absolute best lie the enemy can tell you when you've made mistakes is God's turned his back anyway. You might as well do what you want to do. Here's what God says. Romans chapter 8 says this. For, or Paul says this. I'm convinced that neither life, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor any else in all, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yesterday, um, Reese, my son, had another basketball game. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm his coach. I, I'm his coach, but they're kindergartners. I'm basically just trying to make sure nobody gets hurt um, and point the direction they're supposed to be running at the time, you know, and I yell a lot of this, no hugging, no, no hugging, no choking. No, you know, that's what I yell all the time as a coach. That's pretty much what I do. But um, the whole time Reese is playing, you know, I'm trying to coach the other kids too, and I'm trying to be objective, but the whole time, the, every time the ball comes towards him, my heart just beats fast, you know? And every time he gets the ball, I think, oh, please, just, God, just let him, just let him make one shot, you know? Or just let him not throw the ball away, just let him, just let him, and every time the ball comes to him, I, my, my, there's kind of a lump in my throat, and every time he's on the stage, well, came to the end of the game, he had shot a few times, and I mean, air ball, air ball, air ball, he gets that from his mom, not his dad. <laughs> and, um, and, I mean, just not doing well, and he, I could see in his face, I know him, and he's trying to be positive, but he gets this little quiver, you know, and I just, he's trying to figure it all out, and I just start doing that prayer that parents pray, you know, God, just let him make one shot, you know, like God cares about basketball, but I, I don't know that he does, but I think, God, you care about Reese, and you care, you know, just let him make one shot. Well, the final buzzer goes off, I, Allison was there, the final buzzer goes off for the game, the entire game is over, and I thought, oh, on the way home, it's going to be Reese, and Reese is going to say, Dad, I, I didn't make any shots, and I was just expecting this. The final buzzer goes off, 
A kid from the other team shoots the ball. Reese gets the ball, buzzers off. The whole team is kind of, you know, starting to shake hands. And I'm saying, hey, guys, come together. Reese takes the ball, dribbles all the way down the court. Buzzer's already gone off, goes up, and he makes the shot, you know. <laughs> now, to, to me, as his coach, what I should probably do is say, hey, Reese, that didn't count. Didn't count. It was, it was after the buzzer. You need to understand if you're going to play basketball, you've got to shoot within the buzzer. And his, his, you know, the rest of his family's all sitting down there, and they probably should have said, hey, good job, buddy, but that's, that's not really what you do. You stop when... But no way, man. We blew up like he hit the last second shot. In the, I looked over at my dad, and my dad said, I think there were two-tenths of a second left on that clock when he pulled the trigger. <laughs> and I, I want you to know that I tell you that story because I, I don't know. I just like it. But also... Because I believe that lump in my throat that I get, that, that sort of I'm on his side that I get with Reese, I get that too when he's made really bad choices over and over and over, the same bad choice. I get that same, like, you can, you, you can do it. You can make this. You can do this. That same lump is there. The other day, he's, we're trying to do this thing with him where we only have to ask him once to do things. And we were getting in the car, and I said, Reese, put your seatbelt on. I look in the back, Reese, put your seatbelt on. Two minutes later, Reese, put your seatbelt on. We pull out in the, Reese, put your seatbelt on. Finally, I stopped the car and I said, Reese, I've asked you five times to put your seatbelt on. And he said, he starts to put his seatbelt on. He says, Dad, let's, let's just say you asked me three times to put my on. Like, hey, three times or five times? Do it the first time. But I, you know, Risha and I just start dying laughing. And the car has this sense of, let's, you know what, we're all on your side, Reese. We're all on your side. Even the bad choices were on your side. I want you to know that there is a sense in your life that when you're making bad choices, there is this feeling that you have, and I don't think it's an accident. I believe it's the enemy putting this in you, that God is not on your side, that he is waiting as a police officer, waiting to pull you over, waiting to bash you, waiting to whatever. But what he is really doing, the picture of the Bible, the picture the Bible gives, and the things that God has said is that in your life, he is waiting. He is lumping his throat on your side. Wanting you make the right decisions. And, and I love this piece that there is nothing, nowhere you can go to be far from God. If this week you far, feel far from God, if right now you sit in the pew and you're thinking, preacher doesn't know my situation, I've been too far. I want you to write this piece of scripture down today. Even if you're not sure you believe in God, you're not positive at all these things. If you're listening online and you're having that moment where you just feel like, hey, I am too far from God. This has gone too far and there's no way. I want you to write this piece of scripture down and wake up with it every morning. Read this. By the end of the week, you'll have to start to memorize it. And what happens is, I love memorizing scripture, because when you start to feel like feeling, you go, no, 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 nothing will separate me. There is nothing that will separate me from God. You're doing better than you think, and God is on your side. Check this out. You also make a bigger difference than you might realize. I, I was uh, just looking at the, the Facebook this week and looking at the, the junior high high school students that were here for the Valentine's Day. I don't know if Rick mentioned that. Um, I was in the back, but there was this huge junior high, high school thing. Do you know that that goes on here? <laughs> that hurting junior high, high school students get treated like they're okay and it's going to be okay? That is an amazing, amazing thing. And those same adults, and by the way, we don't have enough of those adults. And if, if you're feeling today led um, to do something bigger with your life, come see me afterwards or go see Stacy because we need more adults to do this. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. And God's just blessing it because students come here and they feel loved and they feel like there's something bigger than them and it's going to just get bigger and we need help. So that's a little commercial. But I want you to know in this that if you're, if this morning you've come in going, you know what, my life is just about this big. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just not worth anything. I want you to know that 
what God has in store for you is, is bigger than anything you could imagine. That the impact you make right now is God's plan for the people around you in your life. Check this out. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can it regain its salt, uh, saltiness to be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lampstand and put it under a basket. But on a stand, put it on, uh, but, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Here's the thing. And many of us do this. We sit around and we watch the news, or we read Facebook, and I see this all the time. Christians do it, and I've done it myself. Look at this and go, boy, this place is just going to hell in a handbasket. Right, that's even the phrase. That, I think Christians must have made that phrase up. Hell in a handbasket. I don't even know what that means, truthfully. We use that phrase and we say things like, can you believe, I don't know how much of this more God's going to take. And then I even hear Christians and, and non-Christians alike say the same thing. How could there be a guy who would, would not do something when all this awfulness is going on? And, and I want you to know he has done something. You're it. You and you and you are the light of the world. You are the difference in the world. That is the intent to be. So if you're sitting here today and you're going, man, I'm just, I'm just this big and I'm just, I, I don't know why I'm here. And I, I want you to know that you are God's plan for bringing hope and change and new things into the world. We went to McDonald's this morning. I just got an egg McMuffin. They're only 300 calories. It's okay. <laughs> um, but we went, we went by there this morning on our way here and the girl... Um, uh, you know, there was nobody in line, and the, the girl um, who took our order, she took our money, and she was just like this big yawn, you know, just like a, oh, when she took my money, you know. And I made a joke to Risha about it, and I drove on, and I just thought, well, there, I missed my chance to be light. I mean, all it takes is going, hey, I hope you get a break today. I, I, hope, you, I hope you get a nap today, or how's things? And how's, I mean, sometimes all it takes is that one little moment, but for me in my life, I think I'm so small, I think I'm so, like, I don't matter that I, I feel like that all I can really do is just make a joke about it, you know? And I want you to know that you matter more than you think. The decisions you make today matter more than you think. Check this out. Your choices, and this is where I want to go with today, your physical life, your choices matter more than you would ever imagine. Just like the lady on the road today in the van. There's no way if she'd have got up this morning. If she'd have got up this morning and somebody said to her, you know what, you're going to do a 360 on Highway 37 because you're going to be drinking coffee and talking on your phone at the same time, you know what she would have done? She would have put her phone up and would not even have poured a cup of coffee before she left the house. I know she wouldn't. If somebody would have told her that was going to happen. But nobody told her. And she didn't, she didn't mean to do that. She didn't choose to do that. She drifted into it slowly. It just became what she does. I'm sure she's been adding to it and no wreck has been happening. And she just did it. This is what's happened with us. We, we slowly gravitate towards things we would never dream we do because we make one little choice after another that ends up making big impact on the people around us and on the things that we do. Genesis chapter 25 verse 29. This is one of my, um, one of the pieces of scripture I talk about all the time when we talk about choices. Um, and maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't, um, but uh, I ho hope you listen to it a little differently this morning. Basically, these two brothers, Jacob and Esau, the story talks about um, these two brothers that are a lot different. They fought a lot. They got on each other's nerves some. They also loved each other. And they had this dad who had, was very wealthy in terms of just his inheritance that the kids were going to have. And basically, in that day and age, the best thing you could have as a, as a man was an inheritance from your dad. It was, it was you know, your birthright. It was 
when dad dies, I'm going to take his, his stuff, and, and then I just kind of get this stuff handed to me, um, and it, it often leads to spoiled people, but um, it was a great thing to have in your life. And so Jacob and Esau, they're brothers, and they're kind of fighting over who's going to get what. Well, the, the deal is the firstborn son gets the birthright. Now, at this point, it seems like you'd say, well, why don't you just split it in half, but that's not the way it worked. The firstborn gets the birthright. So Jacob was the firstborn, and he gets, he gets the whole inheritance. And so Esau grows up with this kind of, the older he gets, the more he's like, hey, this is just not fair. Just because he was born a year earlier than me or a couple years earlier than me shouldn't mean that he gets all this stuff. And it's just kind of this tension that builds. You know that tension that builds. It's, you know, dad, mom and dad bought my brother six presents and bought me only four for Christmas, you know, and it's okay. But then next year you do it again, and, and there's just this major tension that builds up. So one day, um, Jacob is um, out in the fields, and actually, I'm sorry, I think I said it wrong. Esau is the one that has the birthright. Jacob is the younger brother. And Jacob is making some stew, okay? He's just making some stew, pot it on the stove, and he's, he's, uh, he's hunting, and he's, got, uh, um, he, he's, he's been hunting, and they, that's the way they live. You know, they eat venison and whatever they can find. And so this, this pot of stew is, is, is boiling on the stove, and it just smells the whole house up, and it smells great. And check out what happens. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. Now, that usually means that Esau was out probably on a big hunting expedition of some sort. And if, he, if he's a hunter like most hunters I know, he went out expecting to get a whole bunch and came back with nothing, you know, um, which happens all deer season. I have to be real careful when people come in in camos. I look at them real quick before I say, did you get one? You know, I can tell. Because if, if they didn't get one and it's getting late in deer season, you don't want to know the answer. You just don't even ask. Well, that's kind of what's happened here. Esau's came in from the open country famished. And there's only one reason a hunter gets hungry. It's because he didn't get anything. <laughs> He's been out there a long time and famished. The word there is not like, I haven't eaten all day. It's like, it's been weeks. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm close to death. I'm, I'm desperate for food. He comes in the house. Look at this. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm starving. I'm, I'm dying. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright. So first, before, yeah, I see, I see, you know, you want this. You want what I have right now? You, you, give me your, you give me your inheritance. You just sell it to me. You give it to me, and I'll trade you. And now if you're looking at this, you're like, what an idiot. I mean, why would you even think about that for a stupid bowl of stew? I mean, why, why, would you trade, why would you trade everything for the future for just making you happy a little bit right now? You see where I'm going, don't you? This is exactly what happened. Check this out. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me right now? I mean, this is the way we do it. Hey, man, I, 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 I need it right now. I, I need this right now. I'm not going to make it. What, what good is it down the road when right now it's about life or death? You, you just make it whatever it needs to be to get what you want. But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob for a stupid bowl of stew. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread, some lentil, and he ate and drank, and he got up and left. So e Esau despised his birthright. Now, there's something that happened in this story that isn't recorded in the Bible. And I know that's a funny thing for me to say, but I know it happened because it happens every time you give up what's better in the future for what you want right now. It happens every time. As soon as you get what you want right now, whether it's a cigarette or it's sex or it's a Big Mac, 
There is a moment at some point, and I know exactly what it is with the value meal supersize number two. It's about 19 minutes later, after I've eaten the whole thing, that I go, boy, do I regret that. <laughs> and sometimes it's that, and sometimes it's much worse. The next morning, the next day, there is this moment, and Esau would have had it too, where he goes, what an idiot. Why would I have done that? Why would I have given up the future? Why would I give up a family? Why would I give up my birthright? Why would I give up the ultimate for the immediate? It's because he was blinded. Now, in this case, he was completely blinded by hunger, but there's something that blinds you. And as we talk to each other, you know, it's, it's really easy. It's called frog in the kettle syndrome. If you've ever heard this syndrome, here's the idea. Frog in the kettle syndrome is this. You can take a frog, and I wouldn't recommend doing this. It's really mean, but you can take a frog and put it in a pot and put it on the stove, okay? Like I said, a live frog is really not nice to do. But you put it on the stove, and the water's cold, and the frog will kind of stay in there. And um, as you heat up the stove and the water gets hotter and hotter and hotter, the frog will stay in there until it boils, just completely boils to death. And the idea is that as its surroundings change gradually, it becomes accustomed to it until it dies. Now, if you take that same frog and a, a pot of boiling water, and you just take the boiling water and you put the frog in it, he'll jump in and jump right out because that, that immediate change, he would never stay in. But the same thing happens with you and I. The little choices we make, our life gets hotter and hotter. We're sitting in a bowl of, of, of water that's just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And every bad choice you make leads you further from who you really want to be. And you just, you're frog in a kettle. You get worse and worse and worse. And what the Bible says is that the enemy loves to boil the water. And eventually it leads to death. Death spiritually, death physically. Some kind of death happens when you sit in a vat of water in your life that just keeps boiling and keeps boiling until it gets to the point where it's too hot for you to live anymore. Now, many of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Many of you are high school athletes. This happens to me all the time when I run into somebody I haven't seen in 25, 20 years, 25 years. Somebody from high school I played basketball with who was that stud, you know. He was that guy everybody looked up to. And I'll run into him at the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> for some reason, it's always the Mexican restaurant. I run into him, and he's bald now. And he's not as good looking as he once was. And he weighs a lot. And I look at him and go, wow, that looks like a guy I went to high school with. It must be his dad or his grandpa. And I walk up to him and he goes, hey, John, how's it going, man? We haven't seen each other for a little. I start realizing, holy cow. And I'm sure he's thinking the same thing about me. But the thing is, if you were to show him a picture of himself at the Mexican restaurant when he was in high school, he'd go, I am never going there. I'm not going to let my body get to that kind of point. He would be like a frog in a boiling water. He'd say, no way, I'm not jumping in there. But over time, over 25 years of making one bad decision after another, oh, just another basket of chips, just another value meal. Oh, we don't have time. We don't have, we don't have time to exercise this week. We'll start next week and then make a joke about it. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a place you would never have ever in a million years jumped into. This is the picture of our lives when it comes to our choices. And the stupid bowls of stew that we choose on a daily basis. Every time you choose to, a, a lifestyle, every time you make a, sh a small lifestyle decision that you know is not good for your future, you are doing what e Jacob and Esau did. You're trading what's in the future the better for what's right now, for what's good. 
And those of you who smoke, those of you who have those addictions that are really struggling with those addictions, I've got friends who um, chew, um, chew tobacco, and man, that, I, I think that is even harder in some ways than smoking to get away from. It's all the same stuff, but it's, it's an amazing addiction. It's really hard, and they chew, and they don't want to, and their wives are kind of going, oh, I'm not kissing you, and they don't want to quit, and, right, you know, and, they, but, and there's, this, there's this major thing, and every time they put a chew in, there's this moment where they go, yeah, I know, it causes mouth cancer. I've seen the pictures. I know when I put a, a chew in or when I light up another cigarette. I know when I order another value meal supersized. I know that when I do that, I'm impacting, I'm trading I'm trading the future. Maybe literally seven years of my life I'm trading for, uh, to feel a little bit better right now or to get a little bit of high right now or to get a little bit of nicotine right now. It's a trade and you need to understand that and that's not going to help you quit today. I know that. But you need to understand when you start to understand what's really at stake, it is a choice. It's a stupid bowl of stew. You're trading for something much bigger and better and the problem is our world is set up that way. When we went to McDonald's this morning, I thought, I got, I'm going to order an Egg McMuffin. I know exactly how many calories. I know what it's going to look like for the rest of my day, and it's kind of my Sunday thing, so we do it. And, and I ordered an Egg McMuffin, and you know what she said to me afterwards? It's not her fault. McDonald's has told her to say it. She said, would you like a pie with that? I, I'm sorry. Yeah, you can ask Richa. She did. Uh, would you like a pie with that? And I had to double take. With my breakfast? You want me to get a pie with my breakfast? And my first thought was, that's ridiculous. And my second thought was, well, yeah, I want a pie with that. <laughs> because in my life, and maybe you don't struggle the way I do, but most of you do, in my life, if somebody asks me, do you want a pie with that, the answer is always yes. <laughs> no matter how much I've eaten, no matter how, what time it is, no matter, the answer is always yes. So in my life, I have to stop and say, what am I trading this for? Yes, I want a pie. Yes, I want a cigarette. Yes, I don't want to exercise. I would much rather sit and watch reruns of Judge Judy <laughs> than get up and run on the treadmill or go out and shovel the snow. or do. Yes, I would rather do that. But what am I trading to sit here on the couch instead? What am I trading to order a pie with that? Because every time you do, you're trading something. Have I made that clear today? Because I, I'm telling you, it's, you would never believe, if I were to show you a picture in 20 years of where you'll be, you would never jump there. But it's frog in a kettle for all of us. So our responsibility is to keep e each other accountable to it. Look at this. One back there. I want to read that sentence that I wrote there. Stop trading the ultimate. Stop trading the ultimate. What, what Jesus said is, he said, I came to bring life and life abundantly. That is such a profound statement that Jesus made. He said, I came to bring life. And when he said life, the people around him, he said it twice. He said, I came to bring life, comma, and life abundantly. We only have one word for life, so we use the same word both times. But what Jesus said to the, to the Greek listeners, um, they have different words for the word life. And Jesus said first, he said, I came to bring eternal life. And everybody went, I know, yeah, we're going to heaven when we die. And Jesus was like, yeah, that's part of why I came. And then he said, I came to bring life bios. You know what bios is? It's where we get our word biology. It's physical, tangible, touchable. It's frogs and worms and trees and it's, it's biology. It's cells. It's, and Jesus says, I came to bring I, not just eternal life. I came to make your life here more abundant. You're not just waiting for death if you're a Christian. Jesus says, I, you're missing it. In fact, I wrote a sermon series a few years ago that got me a, a, a lot of questions, um, but I called it Jesus Wants to Save Christians. 
Because I believe there are a whole bunch of Christians who believe that their lot in life is just to wait for heaven and just live hell until he get, gets here. And that's just half of Jesus' message. He says, I came to bring you life, and you're trading it. You're trading the hope and the joy and the peace every time you make a choice that is far from me. Stop trading the ultimate, that kind of life, for the immediate. Stop trading what matters most for things that are fading away anyway. Stop it. And I'm saying this, self, this to myself today like I always do. For me, I, I don't have an addiction to cigarettes. I, don't, I, I would probably if I'd ever smoked one in my life. I'm scared to death too because I'm an addicted personality. I'd be on it and quick. I'd be a chain smoker by Tuesday if I had one today. <laughs> That's why I've got to be careful. No, I don't want a pie because a pie leads to a cake. And a cake leads to me surrounded by boxes of Twinkies, you know? I, I can't do it. And so I've, but there's other things in my life I'm addicted to, and one of them is work. One of them is you all. You ask my wife. I'm addicted to writing sermons, journals, creating stronger programs, huddle groups. I'm addicted to that. To the point where I am trading at times in my life. What's good and what's immediate, what makes me feel good about my life for my kids, for my kids and my family. And, and I want you to know, some of you are doing the same thing. You're trading work, money, for family, for life. Stop trading for a stupid bowl of stew. Next slide. So how do you know you're changing? Here's how you know you're changing. When we go through this thing, this is an amazing thing to me. You know, you can look at, at, uh, at, at the people around here. You can look at Rick Finney and say... Rick Finney has changed physically. I mean, he has. He's lost a lot of weight. You can look at other people and say, they have changed physically. When I started running, I realized I started looking down at my legs and going, man, I, I'm like, the little fat on my legs has gone away, and I mean, I still got it here, and I still got it here, but I'm losing it here. I can look and I can see these physical changes, but here's the thing. We all know people who revert back, and the physical changes, those things that happen, man, it even becomes harder the next time when you revert back, but when you know you have really changed, like inside-out change, because the outside's just part of it, you know that. When you've changed from the inside out, here's how you know, read this sentence. You will, be, you will begin to really change, and you'll know you're really changing when you're willing to give up something you want right now for something you want even more later. When you can start to look at something and go, man, I really want that right now. But when you can get the perspective to go, I want that, but I will not trade it for the hope that comes later. I will not trade it for the bigger picture. I want that big screen TV right now. It's almost Super Bowl. And Risha, we've got a whole bunch of people coming to our house. I need a 60-inch TV. It's really about hospitality, and God has given me this gift of hospitality. So it's God's thing. It's God's TV, really, right? If I buy one more big screen TV, I am trading my retirement. I'm starting to, watch, I'm starting to see things that way. Finally, when I walk into Sam's Club, and I see that huge rack of, oh, these TVs are calling my name. And I, I used to walk by them and then just try to like get my phone out and start calculating how much that would cost me a month and what I'd have to sell. And you can give plasma, I heard. And you can, you know, and I, all these things. And, and now I'm getting to the point where I see those TVs and I think I start seeing flashbacks of like working until I'm 90. And I, and I think maybe I really am changing. Because I'm starting to see that those things are big fat bowls of stupid stew. And that I'm trading the wrong things. That's when you know you're changing. 
Those of you who are in this weight loss program, don't be confused by the scale. Do not step on that scale and think there's inside-out change going in you because you're losing weight. Because all of us in this room, yourself included, know that those kinds of changes don't last unless they're inside-out. And inside-out changes are when you look at your life and say, I'm worth giving this up now so that I can have better later. That's when you know you're changing. Man, I could pray right there and go home. But I'm not going to. Next slide. Galatians chapter 5. I want to ask you what, what your bowl of stew. Some of you, you got it in your brain right now. Maybe you got five or six bowls of stew. Maybe bowls of stew is your bowl of stew. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> May, whatever it is today, I want you to know it's the same principle. It's the same principle today. When you can start to look at that and say, no. No, not because I don't want it. Because truth is, man, a pie is always going to be a good addition for me. All, it's not, I'm never going to come to a point where I'm like, no, I don't want a pie with my Egg McMuffin. There's always going to be, I, but what's going to change, what's going to make it easier is when I can start to see that pie as a major choice in my life that impacts my future. When I can start to see it as something I'm trading. Galatians says this, so I walk by the Spirit, and you, so, so, walk by the, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. There is this amazing principle here that reaches through 2,000 years of history, and is as true to you right now as it was then. If you're a Christian today, you're following Jesus, you have in you what the Bible calls the Holy Spirit. It's something in your life that leads you. It's God inside you leading you in places. When you tap into that, you see big screen TVs as bad choices. When you walk into Lowe's or you walk into McDonald's or you walk into a restaurant thinking about God's things, it changes your choices. It does. This is not just a preacher talk. This is not just a spiritual comment. This is absolutely true. If you can find a way to live feeling like God is sitting with you, it will change what you choose. And it will change you from the inside out. If you're needing help with that, I want you to know that that's one of my biggest goals for 2014 in this place. It's to help you live by the Spirit. To live like God is sitting with you wherever you are. Truthfully, right here on Sunday morning, God's with you, but He's just as with you when you're in your cubicle on Tuesday. He's just as with you when you're in your car on Thursday. And He is just as desperate to be where you are and to be in the center of your life then than He is right this moment. So we're putting this whole program together called Stronger. There's a website. You'll see it in the bulletin. All kinds of free stuff that you can do. Resources. There's a journal that every day I give you something to think about and a challenge that will help you live by the Spirit every day. Back there, there's printed versions if you're opposed to the internet or you're Amish um, and, you, and you just don't want to use the computer. There's printed versions because we want to give you every opportunity you have. Every chance you can to live by the Spirit. I got an email from a friend of mine this week that got, gave me some energy. guy that lives in North Carolina, his wife and he are doing Stronger together every day. And, and um, he sent me an email. We, have, we work together in business. And I asked him a couple questions. He said, I got some answers for you, but first I want to tell you that Stronger is changing our lives. And I get this little lump in my throat, a little heartbeat fast, you know. And he says, we, he said, I, I don't think it's the writing. And I went, oh. <laughs> and he said, what it is, it's a reminder that every day 
that there's something bigger than us, that there's something bigger than our problems today, there's something bigger than our money and bigger. He said we're doing that every day and building that habit is changing the way we live our life. It's changing our choices and it will yours too. When you start to put God's things first, it changes your choices and it becomes a way of life. Instead of a diet or a New Year's resolution or a commitment to your wife, it becomes a new way to live your life. So what's your bolus do today? Band, you guys can come up. I want you to know today that you're doing better than you think. I don't want you to let the enemy talk you out of making changes in your life because you've done it so many times you don't think you can do it. I, I want you to know today you're doing better than you think. I want you to know that you make a bigger difference than you realize. One of my favorite stories about this is long preacher story. It's an old one. But I think about this all the time, about the little boy, all the... the uh, the starfish that came up on the beach. You may have heard this story before. All these starfish got washed up on the beach and then the tide went out and they just, they get stranded and they can't swim so they just end up dying on the beach. And there's thousands upon thousands of these starfish, you know, and it's just overwhelming how many there are. And this little boy is standing on the beach taking a starfish and throwing it back out in the ocean, you know, one at a time. Millions of these things, just everywhere. An old man comes walking up and he says, son, don't you realize can't make a difference. There's so many of these starfish out here. You think you can make a difference? The boy just doesn't even hesitate. Picks up another one, threw it out, and said, made a difference to that one, didn't it? Yeah. I want you to know, you make a bigger difference than you know. The words you choose, the, hu- the jokes you tell, the comments you make on Facebook, they make a bigger difference than you think. Your choices matter than you real, more than you realize. Some of you are talking on the cell phone, driving with a whole family you're leading. Your choices make a bigger difference than you realize. So today, you can choose. You can walk out of right here right now and make a cognitive decision to say, this is my bowl of stew. This is what I've been choosing over what's what God has intended for me. I've been choosing the immediate instead of the ultimate. If that's you today, I want to give you a chance to renew with God. Just to say, God, hey, I I want this. I want to change from the inside out. I don't want to change that just looks good on the outside and goes away in a few weeks. I, I want to change from the inside out. I want my decisions to be based on what's best for my future and not what's good right now. And I want to live by the Spirit. Teach me what that means. This is your opportunity to do that. You can stand with us, sing this song. I'll be right back there in the corner if you need me for anything, but just pray between you and God this morning. Would you stand with us?